Hello, my super scary listeners. Welcome back to the Super Scary Podcast, where we cover everything from the supernatural to the super powered. Uh, this episode will have a little bit of both of those, <laughs> which is uh, very, very seldom <laughs> on this channel. Um, today, I have the fabulous Mary Clay with us from That's What I'm Talking About. And uh, how are you doing, Mary Clay? I'm doing great. Oh my gosh, I didn't know I was fabulous. That's wonderful to hear. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Uh, When you reached out and I was like, I don't have a movie in mind, but I have a TV show in mind. Are you willing to do that? (laughs) So I was so thrilled that you were like, yeah, totally. I'll do that. Um, So I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Yeah, this is the um, this is a first for us. Uh, we're normally uh, covering movies, but I have been wanting to kind of break into um, some TV shows as well. So I think this is a perfect start. Um, today we're covering The Haunting of Hill House, uh, which, like Mary Clay said, um, she suggested to me uh, actually at a. I think it was. I think it was a Halloween party. Yeah, Yeah, it was. I think it was a Halloween party. uh, Appropriately enough, maybe. Um, There's so many parties that we've gone to um, together. But um, but yeah. Before we get into that, um, Mary Clay, I would love for you to uh, tell the listeners about your show. Sure. Yeah. Uh, On that's what I'm talking about. Uh, There are new episodes every Tuesday. Um, I have been going through the world of Tolkien for the first time. So it started with me reading the Lord of the Rings books, and then I watched the Lord of the Rings movies, and then I read The Hobbit, and then I watched The Hobbit movies, um, and then I did a whole bunch of random stuff. And then I read The Silmarillion, which is basically like Tolkien's Bible for Middle Earth. (laughs) Um, If a Bible and a history textbook had a baby is what the Silmarillion is. Oh, my. Um, (laughs) But Middle Earth. Um, And I covered the first season of Rings of Power from Amazon Prime. And then now I'm uh, kind of winding things down, um, crossing off the last couple things on my list that I want to cover. And I think by the time this comes out, I will be doing the Lego Lord of the Rings video game. So there's there's a whole lot of content on the podcast for people to listen to, whether you're a casual fan or a super fan of Tolkien. Everyone is welcome. Awesome. Yeah. And I was actually just on um, on yes, your podcast indeed. about two weeks ago. Uh, we talked about Board of the Rings, which mm-hmm. uh, is a ni- uh, 1969 parody book uh, based on Tolkien. And it's not that far off from the way he wrote to be honest um, it it is kind of funny yeah how many similarities there were and then there are um there are also absolutely insane aspects of it where like Gandalf just straight up commits murder and like kills (laughs) Denethor so fun stuff like that (laughs) right (laughs) and then at the end uh somehow there's just all of the like early 1920s monster movie yeah, like, characters if there, was, if there was an episode of scooby-doo about that monster they appeared at the battle of the black gates that's so <laughs> funny um yeah and i think even it 
from Stephen King was there, maybe? Yeah. I, it was very yeah, strange. Did, at one point, it was like a whole list of pronouns. It was like she, her, it, them, they. And <laughs> this is, you know, before pronouns ever existed. Right. Um. Yeah, let me look this up. Stephen King, it. Because um, when when did it? Oh, it was published in 1986. So oh, weird. They so, were actually ahead of their times. So maybe Stephen King read Board of the Rings and was like, hmm, interesting maybe. Uh, monster ideas in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So speaking of, you know, supernatural and monsters and all mm-hmm. of that, um, we have a little bit of all of that in The Haunting of Hill House, uh, which is a Netflix series. Um Right out the gate, I'm going to say to the listeners, go watch it if you haven't yet. Um, I'm clearly behind on the times because it came out in 2018. <laughs> and I yes, haven't. did. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't had a chance to watch it. Um, even if you've watched it before, watch it again. I'm sure there are things that I've missed. Um, I know that, uh, Mary Clay, you told me to kind of keep an eye out for like, you know, hidden ghosts and such. And yes. I'm I'm sure there are many that I missed. Um, but yeah, so uh right out the gate, I think it's I think it's an awesome show. It's directed by Mike Flanagan, um, who is I I f- I don't want to say he's lesser known in the horror genre, but I think he's a little underrated, I would yeah, say. Yeah, he's he's definitely kind of I think he's getting a lot more credit and recognition uh recently, but definitely when this came out, he was kind of like an underrated director. Um and then now I I think because The Haunting of Hill House did so well and it was such a well-crafted series he's gone on to make a lot of other really excellent uh shows as well um the one that i would say is on par of being like the same like caliber of excellence is called midnight mass Mm, yes um which isn't so much and kind of like the haunting of hill house also is this too it's not necessarily like a horror show it's like a show that has this deeper story and deeper meaning under, you know, in the plot line and through yeah. the characters. And then there are like horror elements happening around them, you know, but um, he's, yeah. Uh, fans have started to call his shows, the Flanniverse <laughs> uh, because he uses a lot of the same actors mm. uh, across his series and so you'll be watching it and be like wait a minute you were just in that show that I watched and then you're like wait a minute but in the previous show you were a villain and now you're a good guy and I don't know what to feel about that so right <laughs> yeah but it's it's really fun to be to like kind of look for those cameos too so he's kind of started growing this like dedicated fan base um, and so it's like really fun to see whatever his next you know, whenever he has new shows come out to to see what they are. Right. And Mike Flanagan's wife is Kate Seagal. I think I'm saying her yes. last name right. Um, she, I mean, she's obviously a longtime collaborator of his um, in these. And, um, and she's also in most of his shows. So um, they actually wrote the uh, script for the film Hush together. Uh, which she also starred in. I I don't know if you've ever seen that, Mary Clay. Mm -hmm. I actually, I haven't seen Hush, 
but I know that the book that her character, like her character is an author and she writes a book called Midnight Mass. And so that's actually what he, uh, what the, the show he like later went on to actually write the plot of the book that he, so it it gets all, you know, like meta and inception, like within his own stuff. Uh, and I, I appreciate, I think it's like really, it's really nice to see that like there are a couple, they're married and they're working together, but also they are both creating really amazing work. And it's not just like, oh, well, I'm going to cast my wife in this because she's my wife. Like Kate Seagal is an absolutely outstanding actress and yes. Mike Flanagan produces absolutely amazing uh, TV and movies. So like the they are like a really dynamic couple in the like horror thriller genre. Absolutely. It's like it's uh, it's funny that you were saying, oh, I, I he's not the type that's like, oh, I'm just going to cast my wife to cast my wife, because that's I feel like that's kind of what Rob Zombie does, <laughs> to be honest. I don't know if you've watched any of his stuff, but he he casts his wife and everything. And mm-hmm. it's she's, in my opinion, maybe not the best mm-hmm. person yeah. to pick for certain roles. <laughs> um, but, you know, what? Well, I digress, but yeah. I, it, it, I, <laughs> and like maybe he does be like, okay, obviously I have to make this show about my wife, so let me write it around her. Maybe that is his intention or something. Maybe but mm-hmm. the fact that uh, she is such a great actress and they produce like an amazing finished product, you're kind of able to be like, I'll let the you know nepotism pass. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, instead of nepotism, baby, what would that be called? Nepotism yeah, I don't know if that's couple. A, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if nepotism is the term when you're just mm. married into the end. I mean, I, I think they both were accomplished creators, and you know, in this world before they got married. So I don't think it was like, oh, he married her, and then he started, you know, being successful or whatever. But right. yeah, I don't know what that word is. That's you know a replacement for nepotism but when your husband directs a show with you starring in it (laughs) on multiple occasions a lot of times (laughs) right we'll have to ask christina from the restricted section she's good at words like that (laughs) (laughs) yeah so um the haunting of hill house is actually based off of a novel from shirley jackson from 1959 which is kind of crazy um which Mm -hmm. i think if i if my memory serves correct, I think it, this novel is very short, so I don't think there's a whole lot of content yeah. for him to pull, right? Yeah, from what... So I actually picked this up at a book swap um, that our friend group had, and Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson was there, and I was like, oh my god, well, I love the show so much, I need to get the book, and I have yet to read it. But um, <laughs> uh, from what I understand, <laughs> it's like very vaguely based on this it's kind of more just like Mm. the idea of this like house that's haunted by like the ghosts of people who used to live in it um and then i think some of the like character names come the the i think some of the character names from the show are pulled from the book um but i think i think that's about where the resemblance stops um and from what I understand it's not, it wasn't a very like successful 
or a good novel. So Got it. <laughs> <laughs> Just some similarities in name. Right, right. Which I which I kind of appreciate. I I feel like while yes, this does have a direct um you know, kind of influence or um inspiration, I'm sorry, that was mm-hmm, the word yeah. I was looking for. Um I like that it kind of diverts from that. And I think a a lot of that recently, like, not just in horror, but everything, it's like everything's rebooted, everything's being remade, like, like Disney is like regurgitating like a bunch of the nineties cartoons into live action. And it's like, okay, well let's, let's create some new stories. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Um, Which, you know, they're doing that, but um, regardless of that, um, I think this was uh, a great showcase of using something as an inspiration, but like uh, kind of running with it and really being creative. Like I think, um, I was kind of, I kind of went down this rabbit hole thought process about um, just kind of horror in general. I think supernatural shows like this do really well, whereas, you know, movies of the supernatural subgenre don't do as well because you're Mm -hmm. very rushed. Yeah, yeah. With this, you can, with the show, you know, where you have... 10 hour you know it's 10 episodes and each episode is you know roughly an hour and you have 10 hours to tell this complete cohesive story you can really like settle into those moments and like build suspense and create mystery and like you don't you you don't have to rush anything and I think with supernatural stuff um sometimes like a slow burn is better Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. like for like the reason that all these years ago uh paranormal activity the first movie like popped off and did so well and everyone was just like this is the most insane movie you've ever seen um it's only like an hour and a half and not that much happens in it um, right. <laughs> and I would say maybe like by today's standards, it's probably not as amazing a film as, you know, we thought it was when it came out. But like it's it's a very it's very much a slow burn where it's just like building the suspense and it's not trying right. to like um, it's not jump scaring you all the time. It's not in your face. It's very subtle. Um, and actually, I think Haunting of Hill House has a lot of those similarities, too, especially because yeah. um, there's really only I want to know specifically how did you react to the jump scare I think it's like episode eight or something when Theo and Shirley are in the car and they're driving back to Hill House and then ghost Nell screams at them how did you react well I kind of (laughs) jumped out of my skin like anything that's just kind of like uh, somewhat silent or like quiet like I obviously that's the point of this right like you're trying to like build up that suspense or whatever and then just kind of like punch it to your face really hard but like yeah anything where it's like screaming and even like the first time we see the bent neck lady and oh I, I think isn't that great and isn't that oh my god uh, like i'm already i'm already like going off onto all these tangents but i just asked specifically no, no, about, <laughs> about that jump scare because it's kind of like quote-unquote gone viral of being um one of the like top like 
most like intense or most effective jump scares. Oh yeah. Um, which I think is really interesting because it's really one of the only times that it did a jump scare in the series. The other there there are a couple other ones, but most of the time it's just like, why don't we're gonna sit here and then like you're gonna be wondering, is that a ghost right there in the background? Like I, I think there's a person standing right there, or there's a yeah. woman right there, and the characters aren't reacting it aren't the characters aren't reacting to it on screen, but you're seeing it as the viewer, and you're like. D- like, am I imagining something? Like, what's going right. on? And, like, getting you into this headspace of being, like, really paranoid whenever they're in the house. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh, like you said, like, there there are certain aspects of this that reminds me of Paranormal Activity. Um, Insidious also comes to mind. Um, I don't mm. know if you've ever seen that, Mary Clay. Yes, but, I did. I yeah. Did. Um, I... Th- a lot of the times in Insidious, and I think in the second one, it does this a lot too, where it's just like the different spirits are just kind of like, like standing in random places of the house or like the camera work. I think I think it's the second one where they kind of pan around Rose Byrne and they like pass the back of her head and then a spirit just like pops there and like slaps the shit out of Rose Byrne. <laughs> and it's like, it's one of the like... um like it really gets me like mm-hmm. every time i know it's coming yeah, really, and it's it really, really yeah yeah but yeah. it's not um sometimes a lot of horror movies they like really build up you know jump scares and stuff and so um so, sometimes you like really have to earn it and yeah when it's like done well it's done really well yeah and i and i think in this show specifically excuse me um that it just he just really effectively builds tension throughout the entire hour almost, Mm -hmm. even though he's like jumping in between different timelines and you're kind of sitting there like, okay, which timeline are we in? Especially when they're adults, (laughs) um, you know, if you're not kind of like you and the lighting specifically, you can kind of tell what time frame it is, which I yeah. I noticed that after maybe like the third or fourth episode. And I was like, oh, okay, I kind of get where we are now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and when they, I just love in particular, all the, all the transitions that they have between the past and the present. And some of mm-hmm. them are flow. So see, like th- they work so well that you, you like don't realize like oh we're back in Hill House like I didn't right. realize that had already happened um that's crazy um or like oh my god that's so weird like the mom is alive again like how did that happen yeah <laughs> <laughs> which um uh the mom Olivia I think is her name in the show right um yes. Olivia played is... by the wonderful looking up her name Carla oh I don't know how to say her last name Carla. Um, Gugino? Yeah, that would probably be my guess. <laughs> She's So I know her as the mom from Spy Kids. <laughs> oh my God, that's where she's from. I, be, I was sitting here but trying to figure a, that out. She, she's like a much more accomplished actress than the mom from Spy Kids. Right. Um, and then also, did you realize that... Um, Young Hugh Crane, the dad in the flashbacks, is played by um, the little boy from E.T. Oh, oh, I did know that. Uh, yeah, I, d- I just it remembered. 
<laughs> my brain just <laughs> malfunctioned a little bit if you didn't hear um yeah um yeah that's like he has some heavy hitters in this and i feel like um there are heavy hitters but like also at the same time kind of underrated at the same time it kind of goes back to that like conversation of like these actors are well known but like they're not always in the topic of conversation when you talk about hollywood stars you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah they're all absolutely they're delivering i i would say pretty much every character has a moment where they're delivering like some kind of heartfelt intense monologue to the point that the monologues kind of get to be Mike Flanagan's thing and you see way more of it in uh Midnight Mass where mm. it's like okay um in in real life no one would answer a question with like a intense three minute monologue about like right you know like this isn't how people normally talk like in a real conversation someone would have interrupted you by now or like you wouldn't have you know voluntarily given this much information so I think that is one of my critiques and I think a lot of other people think that too about Mike Flanagan is sometimes he just right I mean I mean that being said though they're beautifully written stories and they are always well like really well acted um but uh, every character has like a moment in the series where you're like, holy cow, like they're not just like even the like the Dudleys, the the couple who take care of Hill House. Like, right. Even they they each have a moment where you're like, oh, they're not just like a random background character. Like they're they're, they're like here to add to the story in a really like artful way. Right. And when I, when I, uh, speaking of the Dudleys, when I started watching the show, I thought they would have, um, maybe a little bit more, um, like they would be the ones that are the cause of it, or maybe they were supernatural spirits that they were seeing, but that, Mm. that theory immediately went out the window. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, that first episode really kind of sucked me in. Like, I... It gives you so much information, but also doesn't give you yeah, a lot exactly. of information. Yeah. So I was like, um, what is happening? But in a good way. It, cor- correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it, it opens with their last night in the house when they're run- when they're leaving and running yeah. away. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, what like what is going on? What like why is you know this dad coming to get his kid out of bed in the middle of the night? Like why is he? Why are they running away? Who is that chasing them? Like yeah. what, what is happening? Like the kids are in such distress, um, and so it does such a great job of like piece slowly piecing together this uh, you know kind of like two two mysteries that happened in two different timelines where in present day you're trying to learn like the real story of what happened to Nell right. and then in the past you're trying to learn what happened that led to them having to flee the house and like what happened and then you're like oh something happened to the mom oh the mom died what happened to the mom and you know, if you watch like true crime or anything, you're like, well, obviously the husband murdered her. And then right. you find out that's not at all what happened. And then you're like, well, what's the mystery of this house? And like the fact that this house 
is still like connecting this family within these two timelines is just like it's just such an incredible like well-crafted story like from start to finish yeah you are involved and trying to figure out like what this character is thinking or feeling or like what happened to them in the past or you know how does this lead to this just and even when you think you've seen the full story it'll flip perspectives and it'll show you like what the mom was experiencing when she was having these like hallucinations or hauntings however you want to view it if it was like mental health or was she being haunted by a ghost yeah (laughs) you know (laughs) or maybe both (laughs) yeah maybe both yeah and Um, then like you see this like different side of it and you're like oh my god that's uh it's so freaky it's so but like it's so it's so good i i i really in case you haven't tell from like the past like straight three minutes that i was rambling (laughs) just now um i watched this show uh, every every October, it's like now become a little tradition for me to watch it, and like every single time, I cry oh. <laughs> at the end. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, uh. it's yeah, it's such a good show, and I can see why you keep coming back to it. Is there any um specific reason that you come back to it every year? Because usually, like Netflix shows like this, you're kind of. Uh, a lot of the times for me anyway, I'm watching it once and then I never really watch it again. Um, mm-hmm. But with this, it does have a nice rewatchability. Is there a particular reason why you come back to this one specifically? Um, I think the first time I rewatched it, it was because I found out about all this stuff that when you're in Hill House in the past, there are hidden ghosts in the background. Mm-hmm. And when the show first came out, people were like really talking about it. And then there were like BuzzFeed articles about like all the ghosts that you missed in Haunting of Hill House. So the first time I rewatched it, it was definitely to try and catch more of the ghosts. Right. Um, and you'll, re- there's like, uh, there's like 40 ghosts oh, hiding wow. in the background. And some of them are like, some of them are like quick flashes and you're like, oh my God, that's like, it was that even a ghost or is that someone just trying to pass off like an unfocused like houseplant? Right. <laughs> and then there are others that you're like, that was hidden in plain sight the entire scene. How did I not see that? Um, so definitely I rewatched it the first time to look for more of the hidden ghosts now that I knew to look for them. And then it's kind of just like become I don't know just like a part of like October for me kind of like you know around Christmas you always rewatch the same movies um that that you enjoy and I I I don't necessarily watch a lot of horror um anymore I used to have like scary movie marathons with my friends all the time in high school um but I, I became a wimp when I got older, I guess. And I like stopped being able to like, I actually, you know what? I think it was The Conjuring that absolutely. Oh, really? Wow. I, I went and saw, I went and saw <laughs> The Conjuring um, in theaters uh, with, I think like, I don't know, two or three friends. And we went kind of late at night and there was no one else in the theater except for this like one guy came in and he sat the row behind us and then like a couple seats over and so there was just kind of this like 
eeriness to it where like we're in an empty theater but then like every now and then you'd hear like a cough or some movement right behind you and you'd be like oh my god but you'd forget that a person was there and it was like my friend who was he's like a he's like a, a lovable giant and I had never at that point seen him like he's usually like very like sarcastic and dry and serious and stuff. And at one point he turns to me and he goes, I would be OK if we walked out right. Now. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> and we got and we got in the car and when we left. It was since the movie started late at night, you know, we left and the movie theater was like closed right. down already and like the parking lot's mostly empty. It's dark. It's freaky. And we got in the car and we put on like a SpongeBob episode on someone's <laughs> phone because we were so. So maybe that was like the last thing that really did me in. And I was like, I, I can't do this. Uh, my heart, my anxiety can't take it um, anyway. But I think Haunting of Hill House, I think is just such a creative and beautiful story that I'm like, I'm happy to revisit this every year. Um, I feel like, uh, I think now I've rewatched it enough times that I won't necessarily pick up on new things every time, mm. but definitely the first couple times because there's so much happening and there's all this back and forth between timelines and perspectives that when you rewatch it, you pick up on new things every time. Right. Um, you know, not just like the hidden ghosts, like there's different stuff that you take in from it with each rewatch. And I think it's like just so fantastic. Yeah, I have to agree with that. I, I feel like some TV shows just have like, you know, filler episodes where they're just trying to like fill time or fill story, mm-hmm. you know, but I feel like this show doesn't and it utilizes it like, even though I think think after the first episode like the next five focus on one of the children you know um Mm -hmm. so even though it focus on the timeline of one of the children it still builds on everybody else's stories really nicely which is great um so i really i i think you've already touched on this too like the storytelling is just really great in this um and I really, I, th- I think it, which one is it? I think it was uh, the episode that focused on Shirley specifically, where she's kind of uh, coping with her mom's death and um, she becomes, uh, what's it called? My brain just. Uh, an, I think it's an undertaker. Yeah, yeah. And like, yeah, how you you learn. Oh, yeah, that's like another that's a specific one where like the transition from past to present is really amazing, where it shows like she's helping a little boy, like grown up Shirley is trying to help a little boy who they're having the funeral for his grandmother. And she's like, come on, I'll walk you up to the front. And then like. It, it shows it's the camera is like facing them. And then when it cuts to the front, you're actually now you're in the past and you're seeing Shirley at her mother's right. funeral. Um, and I think that might be the first time you learn that the mom died. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like you can kind of infer because you don't see her at any point in the future. You can kind of infer that she, you know, is is not alive in the present timeline. Right. Um, 
and like seeing that reasoning for why she does what she does in the future, you know, in the present um, is like, like just seeing the way that like what happened to them in, in Hill House shaped them, even with, even as, even though they were children, the events that happened to them shaped them so heavily into who they became as adults. Right. And, and after Shirley's episode specifically, I think I, it kind of struck a chord with me just because I, I recently lost my grandma a few years ago to COVID. So like, I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I'm still kind of processing that trauma, if you will. Um, So I felt like I related to Shirley specifically. I think she's the oldest. So it goes, um, it goes Steve, oh. Shirley, Theo, and then Nell and Luke are, are the twins. twins. Got it. Got it. Yes. Um, and I'm going to blow your mind. Or maybe I'm not going to blow your mind. But this is something that blew okay. my mind. Yeah, please share. <laughs> when I yeah. learned it. Which is that, so the the episodes, you know, you, you focus on one of the children for the first five episodes. And it goes, like, from oldest to youngest. It also goes in the order of the stages of grief. Oh. Um, because Stephen is denial. Because he does not believe what happened to them in Hill House. Um Shirley is bargaining because she grows up, you know, she she becomes like the owner of a funeral home and she's, you know, trying to like make friends and make peace with death, um, but is still like kind of uncomfortable and not coping with it in healthy ways. Um, who's after that? Um, Theo is anger. Mm. Um, uh, Luke is depression. And then Nell is acceptance. And then at the end of Nell's episode is when she, trigger warning, commits suicide and hangs herself. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that does kind of blow my mind a little bit. I don't. I don't know how I mm. never really like thought about that. But I never. Like, I never put that together myself. It was like some someone you know pointed it out online, and I was like, oh my god, you're absolutely yeah. right. That's really. And like I, that's something that like. did Mike Flanagan intend that to happen? I have no idea, you know? Right. But even if he didn't, that's a really cool interpretation to to look at it, to be like, the children are the stages of grief. Yeah. move through them so fluidly. Um, But like in ways that it, it, it's always progressing the story. You're, You're totally right that there's like not, there's not any like filler. Everything in the show is to advance to either piece together the story or tell us more about who these characters are and like why they are the way that they are. Right. And and I think uh to your point about whether or not Mike Flanagan intended this, I I feel like now that you say it and explained it all, I feel like he did intend that. I mean, maybe that's giving him too much credit. I, mean, like, but... I I grew up uh, in the age where people are like, the Rugrats are actually metaphors <laughs> for um, <laughs> anxiety for um, you know mental illnesses. Chucky is anxiety. Tommy is ADHD. Um, the twins, Phil and Lil, are actually um, uh, uh, no, no, it's no. I'm getting it mixed up with Winnie the Pooh. That's it. Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> people say that the Winnie the Pooh characters um, 
represent different like mental illnesses. Oh, and then wow. the Rugrats theory is that Angelica actually imagined all of the babies and that Tommy died as Tommy was stillborn. Um and that's why his dad is always making toys still because he never got over the loss. And um, and Phil and Lil, uh, Phil and Lil's mom had a miscarriage, and because Angelica didn't know what gender they were, what gender the baby was, she imagined them as a boy, boy and girl twins. And Chucky actually died in. Uh, the car in the accident with his mom and like all this stuff oh and my people God. Are like and that's why Angelica is the only one who can talk to and understand the babies but the adults can't but Angelica can still can also talk to the adults but the <laughs> adults can't talk to the babies <laughs> so like that's the kind of thing that I don't think the writers of Rugrats <laughs> intended yeah yeah that's that's very true oh my god another mind-blowing moment because i (laughs) never would have thought of that you never heard about any of these like insane conspiracy theories oh i'll I'll send you like a whole list of them (laughs) i i've definitely heard of some of them but the rugrats one specifically i've never heard of but um now i now i'm actually curious and and maybe we'll maybe we'll do a bonus episode on it who knows um the dark themes behind disney and nickelodeon (laughs) cartoon network shows yeah, literally, I'll send you a YouTube video that says, like, 15 creepy Nickelodeon conspiracy theories. Yes, give it all to me. <laughs> 10 theories about Nickelodeon shows that will ruin your childhood. <laughs> oh, that sounds right up my alley. I love that. Uh... <laughs> um, well, anyway, um, so... <laughs> Yeah, so back, yeah, to, so, haunting so back to Haunting of Hill House. Um, so I want to draw our attention to... Um, JK, let me double check uh, which episode it is. I know it's called the uh, oh, it's uh, episode six. Mm, two storms. Um, two storms, and uh, it's something that I didn't notice. Again, something that I don't think I picked up on until maybe like the rewatch. But two storms is filmed in multiple long one take scenes. Mm. Yes. Did you notice this uh, at the... I think it, it's mostly like the first, uh, I don't know, like 40 minutes of, of the episode. And then um, and then like right when the storm ends in present day is when it like they, they start like using, you know, cuts again. Um, but it's... It, I'm just like, man, I'm just like such a nerd about this episode. I'm like, this is like this episode deserves... An Oscar or something yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like on its own because of like how like even just the mechanics of crafting a a one take scene yeah. that moves between the present set in the funeral home and the past set in Hill mm-hmm. House is so insane. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually well, I noticed specifically in the funeral home whenever they're. They're kind of duking it out and fighting about, um, like, who took the finance, like, the um, the royalty checks from Steven. Yeah. And um, uh, Shirley is kind of being very self-righteous about it, um, which 
that, oh my that, God, Shirley. Yeah, sh- yeah. Shirley, f- fuck Shirley sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> like, she's so obnoxious. Self-righteous is an amaze, is a great word for it. Yes, yeah. that's so correct. Yeah. Um, wh- anyway. D- no, you're fine. Um, which we find out later why Shirley is a little self-righteous, um, <laughs> at least in my mm. opinion. Uh, See, but like, isn't that insane? Yes. That, okay. Like, let's even, just talk like, about it now. All these like minuscule <laughs> details have like it, they all have an explanation and a reason behind it, or it's leading to something else. Like, exactly. It's not just like, oh, that like there's this one point at the at the wake where you see this kind of like weird shot of Luke like by like standing like by himself and then and then he leaves and you're like that was weird like what was up with that and later on you find out it's because he was like stealing money from a purse mm. and then he left on his own yeah and so it's like everything has a reasoning but anyway okay so sure yeah the scene where they're fighting about the royalties yes. Yes. and all these like revelations <laughs> are happening yeah yeah um not us having like an inception conversation where we're having like some <laughs> like so many i mean like I-, I truthfully think that speaks to um the like quality of this show that there's there's like so many different layers of conversation that you can have about this like you could cut like i could have said hi i want to come on the show and i specifically just want to talk about shirley and we could fill up that oh yeah um or i just want to talk about nell oh my god we could fill up like a whole week's worth of episodes literally (laughs) um but to go back to your point about the the kind of one one take or one or i'm yes. sorry uh what's it called one shot yeah that's yeah, correct one take yeah um so i noticed that in uh the funeral home like i said whenever they're fighting about mm-hmm. um well they're just fighting <laughs> in general about anything and everything and you just kind of see everything unravel and they're like slowly circling all of the actors and i'm just like i i'm kind of a nerd (laughs) too a little bit that i'm like imagine the mechanics of having to walk in and out of that of the shot basically shots yeah and like them i i'm I, I don't know how yeah. they would have done it, so, but, like, it's... Yeah. yeah, and then, like, also the intense pressure of, like, if I mess up my line, we have to start mm-hmm. all over, yeah. you know? Um, uh, specifically, I think the more... Um, uh, oh, shoot, I don't know. I don't know, like, masterful one uh, one takes is when they're in uh, Hill House and the huge storm is happening there, and... Olivia is walking through the house. They're looking for Nell and all these things are happening where like she goes over and the flue is open in the chimney and she goes over and turns, you know, and closes the flue and then she comes back and as she like comes back into the hallway, there's, oh, there's a ghost sitting on the bed and then like she pushes open a door and the little boy in the wheelchair comes through and then she goes into a room and she comes out of it and the statues that were in the hallway are now facing the opposite mm. direction and like all the behind the scenes, I'm pretty sure there's a behind the scenes thing of them showing like 
that you know people like, everybody set, like you know, workers yeah. like behind the scenes that like as soon as it clear as soon as the camera you know like clears the shot that like people are running in and like they they like drag the little boy in the wheelchair like out of the rest <laughs> of the shot and like <laughs> all this stuff yeah it's like really really uh like that's such a hard thing to do and the yeah. fact that they did it multiple times throughout this episode is really crazy and i can't imagine like a, like what makes a like a director or even like screenwriter i'm sure you have to kind of like plan that out like like how do you how yeah. do you look at a scene that yeah. you've written and be like this would be great as a one shot you know and but mm-hmm. i think it's it's done so beautifully and yeah a a lot of the camera work even in general in this i think is so good like the the Mm -hmm. lighting is great um like i already referenced that you know you can tell which timeline you're in based on the lighting usually like in the past before kind of everything goes down it's a little more brighter it's a little you know more yeah, golden like yeah tones. yeah a little yeah. more like warmer hues and then in the present it's more of a blue tone especially like when you're in the funeral home um and then kind of the in between i feel like it's a little darker in general but um mm. yeah i think just uh it's just so good <laughs> yeah um uh again i mean like like i said you know we could be here for hours talking about every separate element but um i guess the the main one also is what did you think about the reveal of the bent neck lady that uh i mean this is uh an episode of blowing minds essentially i i had a feeling it had something to connect to somebody in the house uh like one of the family Mm -hmm. members i was thinking that maybe it was going to be the mom that that's where my mind kind of went at first um but the fact that it was older nell (laughs) basically haunting herself like that and uh i feel like a lot of paranormal um content does this a lot where it's like you're essentially being haunted by a form of yourself or a form of you know a family member or somebody you knew you know um but this does it really well you're kind of like you don't even think about it too much until almost right up to when you figure it out um you're not really thinking like who is this person you know you're thinking oh it's just the spirit of the house it's yeah, just ghost, it's just a whatever, ghost. Yeah. Like it's just it's her it's her specific, her specified spirit. You know, they go up to the you know, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, what's it called? Well, and then you think, oh, there's an explanation for it because in the future she learns that she uh, deals with sleep paralysis, yeah. and they're like, yeah, and some people who uh experience sleep paralysis even say that they you know see things they see like people in the shadows and so you kind of are like you kind of pass it off for a bit and you're like oh it's just like a sleep paralysis thing like there's a logical explanation for it um and then like oh man i just the bent neck lady episode the the episode that focuses on nell is just so it's so heartbreaking because like you see her get her happy Mm -hmm. ending and then, like, she's crushed by it. And then you see how 
helpless she is afterwards and she's so unable to get like the help that she needs and like her siblings are useless and <laughs> like she's also useless at like ask reaching out right. to them and saying like this is what I need um and like you know all all like surprise surprise a family that like you know, lived in this haunted house and their mother died under suspicious circumstances. Like, surprise, surprise, like, they don't have the best relationships (laughs) afterwards, you know? (laughs) Um, Which is, like, what's so funny about, like, a a show about, like, a haunted house, the family dynamics are some of the most realistic, (laughs) are, are, like, extremely true to life (laughs) and realistic. Yeah, and I... I I think that's uh, another reason why I like this show so much is that, you know, s- sometimes in hordes like amped up to the max. So you're kind of like, oh, this is borderline like unbelievable. But this show mm. specifically, I feel like oh, obviously with it being a TV show, it's kind of more fleshed out. Um, they have more time to do so. But it really kind of... Um, you can tell the dynamics between the siblings amongst themselves. Like you can tell that uh, Steve doesn't really believe that uh, Luke is going to get sober. Um, And, you know, uh, Nell and Luke have a psychic connection basically because they're twins and they can feel what the other one's feeling. You know, you can kind of see those interpersonal relationships um, and that Mm -hmm. works really well. Um, Going back to the bed neck lady real quick, um, I yes, really yeah. liked the kind of um I guess for lack of a better term, elevator shot where there it's like she's going through the stages of her life where she's been haunted. Yeah, it's when yeah, the when she's mm-hmm. dropping, yeah, from the Which rope. Is yeah. Crazy. Like And yeah, and like the first like it happened because it happens so suddenly and like also in a way that um it doesn't it doesn't like it doesn't like romanticize at all what happened to Nell it's very when she like either you know however you want to interpret it whether she was pushed or she you know falls willingly off of that platform and it goes silent and you hear the rope you know yeah catch and then there's just silence and there's like the creaking of like her body Mm. swinging it's so it's like a stomach drop and then she keeps dropping and you can like feel you it's like you're on a almost like on a roller coaster you know and you go down that first hill and you feel you feel the physical like drop in your stomach as she's dropping through all these scenes. And then like, as she is realizing that she is the bent neck lady, you are also realizing it. And then like final, when it gets to like that final scene, which was the, the first time that she encountered the bent neck lady as a kid. And she screams horrifically. You're also like, my God. Oh my God. This is awful. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was, I, again a little mind blown by it i was like oh okay mm-hmm. so she was haunting herself the entire time and time, you know yeah. it's the the lighting and everything of the way that they present the back the bent neck lady up until that point like you have n- like i said no idea who this person is you don't like know. Yeah. and that's why i thought it was maybe the mom at first because it was very dark hair 
Yeah, you see mm-hmm. this long dark yeah. hair. Yeah, so you, mm-hmm. like I didn't really think that it could be Nell actually that was haunting herself this yeah. entire time. And then the choice that in a couple other scenes afterwards, like like the in the two storms mm-hmm. episode, she shows up like in the background sometimes, you know, they'll do that like pan around the room and then like all of a sudden she'll be standing in the corner where, you know, she wasn't before. Oh my God. Oh my God. And then at the end of that episode, when like little Nell got lost in the in the storm, got like, I don't know, sucked into the ghost ether or something. <laughs> um, and then she was like, I was here the whole time and no one could yeah. hear me. I was shouting and shouting and no one knew I was here. You all forgot I was here. And like they're all in the present all the adults are now leaving the room and then it pans around to um, Nell in her, you know, bent neck ghost form standing there saying like, I've been like, I was here the whole time. I was with you the whole time. I didn't go anywhere. It's absolutely heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. And then there are a couple shots when, uh, when the dad in present day, he, he walks into the funeral parlor and it shifts and you see all of the kid actors Mm -hmm. standing at, you know, and then he like goes and turns and looks into the coffin and sees kid Nell. And you're like, because that's so true to life for what a father would be thinking. If he walked into a room and saw, you know, his kids for the first time in, you know, however long he would be looking at them as, you know, he always pictured them yeah. as children. And it it's just uh, so it's so heartbreaking. But it's like, ah, uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's very realistic, um, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But um I like that there's still there's still like you know even though you do put together the you know a couple of the mysteries and you're kind of like oh okay that's why this happens and that's why this person did that um there're still some things that it's like why is Hill House the way it is? I don't know. Like right. what was it, you know, that like what was it about the first resident that died there that was like no i think i'm gonna stay here forever you know and i'm gonna force the people who move in here in the future to you know also die here and like finding out you know the the mystery and the truth behind hill house isn't the point of the show you know and that like there are just something like theo's power you know that she is this like power of touch it's never really explained um just like some little mysteries that you know you just i guess have to make of them what you will and no one's like holding your hand to the answer right yeah and i going off of that point about theo's power like the ma uh, olivia kind of explains i i think it's in like episode four or five maybe Somewhere in the middle, she's like, mm-hmm. oh, you're very sensitive, like, blah, blah, blah. Um, and she says that all of the girls are like that. But I, f- I feel like with Nell, we kind of see more of the twin um, connection more than anything as far as her sensitivity. Mm-hmm. And then with Shirley, I don't... For me, I don't think I really noticed any kind of like sensitivity. Oh, yeah, okay. I was. Yeah, maybe. Um, or her self righteousness just uh, overtook all of that. Um, <laughs> but it, 
it kind of that's why i said at the beginning of the episode it's kind of a little bit of both where it's like they have these like superpowers but it's not really explained and i i like you said i i don't think we really need an explanation for all of it Mm -hmm. you know we can just kind of um take it for what it is so to speak um but i will say speaking of theo i really liked her character a lot and Mm -hmm. i yeah and again it's the kind of thing where i'm like was she low-key given one of the best i mean ah yeah uh, like (laughs) I, I I would say like Lu- like Luke Nell and Theo I would say are the like best of the like mm-hmm. children characters. Stephen and Shirley are just kind of like oh whatever. But I'm like was she Loki given the best character right. <laughs> because it, she's the director's right. wife, you know <laughs> that kind of a thing. It's very possible. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I really I I. Yeah, sh- her her stuff was so impactful. Oh, and also I mean kind of how we were talking earlier about how. It shows why Shirley became, uh, you know, this funeral home yeah. director. Um, it sh- you know, it shows Theo becoming a social worker because she experienced, you know, this intense trauma as a child. And now she is, you know, wanting to help other children deal right. with that. And and it's kind of funny. I never really thought like, oh, how did Theo like put herself through college and get her PhD and all of that and but it's explained what i love that moment when she it when she yeah. takes the check from steve and is like i don't give a fuck i'm going to college yeah i'm, I'm getting, getting my, my PhD. fucking phd i think she says yeah like, fuck you cheryl <laughs> and then um the kind of the audacity of theo to like live under her roof for free basically which oh, th- that, that takes was... some nerves and <laughs> which i yeah. i could understand uh, Shirley's position on that um, just though the kind of self-righteousness uh, could have been toned down a little bit um, considering what mm-hmm. we uh, find out later that um, she kind of had a one night stand and she did on her husband so she's like yeah. overcompensating almost you know yeah yes to be like I am the perfect mm-hmm. crane sibling like i have done nothing wrong here absolutely overcompensating for that yeah Yeah. um one more little like plot twist that i want to ask you about your reaction um the very end when you find out the truth about what happened that night that the dudley's child was there and all along, we thought that it was Luke yeah. having an imaginary friend, and it turns out to be a very real child, and she is poisoned by Olivia. What 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 were you thinking <laughs> when when that was the reveal that like oh no this is a real child and uh and oh she's poisoned and oh it's the Dudley's yeah. child. That, like, we previously have learned that they had a uh, mm-hmm. a stillborn child and were very negatively affected by it because of the house. And so we're led to believe that they don't Whew. have any children. And then, like... Yeah, so... Speaking of the Dudley's, like, stillborn child, I thought that before that reveal that Abigail was maybe, like, a spirit, but like a grown-up version of that child, 
You know what I'm saying? I I know that's kind of Mm -hmm. like mental gymnastics or whatever to get to that point. No, I know what you mean. Yeah. Kind of like imagining what... Uh, like maybe yeah. what like the Dudleys would imagine their daughter yeah. to be. Yeah. So I, I kind of had that thought. Um, then, you know, we don't, like we see Luke talking to Abigail <laughs> throughout most of the mm-hmm. show, but they don't really show her except maybe, I think at once in the beginning of Luke's episode. It's like a real creepy, it's like a real creepy, like, oh, that's a child standing in the woods. That's clearly a ghost. And like, and also this little actress who plays the kid, 5,000% looks like a haunted Victorian ghost child. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Like, she had to have been born and she started growing up and like her features being more defined and her parents were like, she looks like a a haunted child. We need to get her into some roles immediately. immediately. (laughs) There's a market for this. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so um, another time we see Abigail is right around the time of uh, Nell's death. Like, we see... Olivia taking the children upstairs to what we know at the end to be the poison tea party, basically. Um, mm-hmm. So when I saw her again, I think she's like kind of sitting on the stairs before they go up to the red room. And and I yeah, was like, it. for a second, I was like, who the fuck is this kid? Like, yeah, I was like, is this yeah, young is this Nell? Is, is this? this? And I was like, who the fuck is this? And then I remember, oh, I guess it's Abigail. Like, <laughs> and then, um, yeah, at the end, it's it's wild. It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't expect her to be real after all. <laughs> I thought it was just a spirit yeah. hanging out. Yeah. And especially because, like, the whole the whole show Hugh is being you know intentionally deceitful about um what really happened and is hiding the truth and then you think it's because he's trying to protect his children he's trying to like keep alive this memory of their mother and he just doesn't want them to know the truth about what happened to her but in reality he is protecting the Dudleys uh, because they wanted to be able to live they're like she will forever be our daughter you know as we remember her in this house as long as we stay here please do not take that Mm. away from us um and he's and also i mean he still was protecting you know his wife's image because he doesn't want his children to find his kids to find out that she murdered a child which is like which, no offense to Nell and Luke, but I feel like uh, it's kind of passed off as them being like, we were little. We don't really remember much of what happened that night. But, but like, I, I feel like you would remember, like, your friend, like, collapsing and vomiting and yeah, dying. Yeah, and <laughs> they remember so, so much of their childhood otherwise. Like, like they're talking about the mm-hmm. spirits that they've seen and, like, everything else that happened that night of like oh we were whisked away to a car and like blah blah blah. you know it's just it it seems a little unless if you're like kind of blocking it out for traumatic reasons yeah i guess yeah granted i mean uh maybe maybe i should i don't know take all that back because (laughs) like (laughs) if they are they were children and it probably was 
a realistic depiction of like how children mm. remember traumatic events That's in true. their life. And it probably would be similar, you know, very realistic that they remember some things very vividly and then don't remember other things at all. That could be true. So I guess that makes sense. I take what I, I take back what I said. <laughs> we love growth, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, Over overall, I think it's a really... exceptional show i think it's like i think it's really unique i don't think there are i I feel like if you're watching a horror if you're telling someone like hey come watch this horror show it's like oh it's gonna be super scary and out there and there's gonna be you know there's gonna be jump scares and there's gonna be like all these special effects and there's gonna be insane music behind it um and you don't expect it to have like a really uh well put together story and you don't expect it to have um actors who are you know like absolutely nailing every single role like you don't expect you know it to not not to say that like horror can't have stories like that because there are definitely movie horror movies out there that that do have really great stories with them as well um but i just think it's it's a really unique show um and like, like what what a what an amazing thing that like Netflix entrusted Mike Flanagan to do because Netflix obviously now is kind of like made a joke of themselves, right. you know. <laughs> so I feel like uh, I feel like it was made mm-hmm. at like just the right time where Netflix was producing really great content that they believed in and were backing. Um, and so I think because of that, we've since gotten a couple other um, pretty quality Flanniverse shows um, that we might not have gotten otherwise if it had like if Hill House had been like produced. Yeah, I, you bring up a good point about it coming out at like just the right time, because I, I feel like in 2018, 2019, basically right before the pandemic, I feel like there was really great content in general coming out and then maybe it's like oversaturated now because I feel like there's there's mm-hmm. so many like hidden gems I'm sure of of shows that exist that I don't even know about you know like I I discovered a couple like really good um Korean like zombie TV shows that were produced by Netflix and um yeah and if oh, you're curious i'd be happy to send them to you if you'd like um but uh well i guess you're kind of not watching horror as much anymore <laughs> so maybe i won't do that it, it, but <laughs> yeah maybe yeah i would say <laughs> i just yeah, realized yeah. that after i offered that <laughs> maybe around i would say October is where You're I'm willing. like I'm yeah. willing to be scared and like okay. go to bed and have nightmares. <laughs> so um, um <laughs> I'll put a reminder on my calendar to send <laughs> Yeah, October, Great, October one, 1 send all of this to you. But um but no, but the, like I I started watching them maybe like 2021 like right after the pandemic um but I didn't even know they existed because I feel like Netflix now just has so much of its own content that it's like you don't even know where to begin or what to watch, yeah. you know? Oh, my God. It's insane. Yeah. And, yeah, Netflix just, like, really shoots itself oh, yeah. in, 
their own foot all the time where it's like, hey, we put all this money into the show, but we also didn't put any money into promoting it or letting you know that it's available. And so now we're going to cancel it because it didn't get any views. And it's like, oh, yeah. hi. So, and then it goes um, viral and people also, like, uh, I I, I, th- I forget what show it is. Like right. 1886. Oh, 1899. 1899. Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I watched it. Um, I, I wouldn't say it was like an absolutely amazing show. It was definitely like a, it was a slow mm-hmm. burn. Um, and it was. I don't know of like it was definitely like of a higher caliber of television than I usually mm, watch. Okay. Um, but it was definitely a really interesting story. Um, and then yeah, it, it no no season two. Interesting. That's it. Yeah, I I see comments on on their posts on Twitter. They'll be promoting something, the one thing that they put their money behind, I guess. But everybody in the comments are like. Oh, um, where's season season two? two, Or or like, I think Sense8 was like a LGBTQ plus show that was produced by um, Mm -hmm. Netflix and then they canceled it after two seasons. So they've kind of become, like you said, a a joke of themselves, like producing two shows or two seasons. Yeah. Yeah. And luckily, the stories that, and maybe that's why they keep, letting Mike Flanagan do shows through Netflix is because they're all mm. limited series. They're all um they're they're all their own individual stories. So like the ha- so there's The Haunting of Hill House and then there is another show called The Haunting of Bly mm, Manor. Yeah. Um I don't person I didn't personally like Haunting of Bly Manor that much. Like it was okay. Um but I wasn't as I don't know, moved by the story or as um, interested in the story as I was with Hill House. Um, And then there is Midnight Mass, which is more like a deep commentary on uh, on like Christianity. Yeah. And like um, and uh, people like having like realizations about like the the reality of like religion and stuff. And Anyway, and then um, the most recent one was, let me look it up. It's called something like The Midnight Club, um, yeah. which mm-hmm. is more like a, a YA series. Mm. Um, it, it It's like, a, it's set in a, um, like, youth's, a, a youth um, ho- uh, hospice home oh. for, like, termina- terminally ill uh, they're not children. They're like they're teenagers, but I think some of them are like eighteen or twenty or something. Mm, got it. So young adults. Um, and every night they meet and they tell scary stories. Like they make up stories and tell them to each other. Oh, that's cool. Um, but that one was definitely uh more like YA kind of an audience, um, as opposed to like. Haunting of Hill House, which is definitely more like mature adult themes. But like each of them, they're all these, they're like own individual stories that like start to finish are a cohesive, um, a cohesive story. And he's not trying to end it on a cliffhanger to get renewed for another season. Um, and then like season two is canceled and then you're not satisfied with right. it, you know, <laughs> so that that's definitely like he ha- he has that going for him that all the things that he tells um he has an ending in mind when he begins it 
which I think is the downfall of a lot of modern television. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I kind of like limited series, to be honest, at least in a Netflix format. Um, one that I watched recently, actually, um, which you might like, because it kind of gives a similar vibe to this. Um, it's called The Watcher, I believe. Ryan Murphy produced it. Um, Jennifer Coolidge is in oh. it, which is a big, big plus. Um, I did. Tr- <laughs> I know. I I did try watching this because I'd heard about. There's like a real life, yeah, quote unquote, true crime case called The Watcher, and I heard I'd known about that case previously, and so I was like, oh, okay, I'll watch the show, and I could not get past like the second episode because you have. Jennifer Coolidge, Richard Kind, and then um, Margot Martindale. (laughs) And uh, I don't know if you've watched BoJack Horseman at all, but there's a running joke about um, character actress. Like, aren't you character actress Margot Martindale? Um, (laughs) And she, like, makes all these random cameos that are absolutely absurd and ridiculous. And so it was, like, this combination of all three of these characters who are usually... I I just have like absolutely like ridiculous, you know, associations with them based on like other Mm -hmm. roles. I could not continue. Oh, wow. (laughs) I was like, I can't take this seriously. Jennifer Coolidge is here. Yeah, it's um, I could probably. uh, Which I'm sure is unfair to her. And I'm sorry, Jennifer. (laughs) It it is a very uh, it it does have a very ridiculous tone to it um, because I mean, Jennifer Coolidge's scenes are very humorous because it's 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 just her. But, you know, uh, that we'll probably cover it someday on the podcast, I'm sure, because I could talk I could talk for another hour with you about that. Um, so 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 maybe sometime we'll do that. Um, But yeah, uh, Mary Clay, do you have any final thoughts that you would like uh, to talk about with this? Um. Not particularly. I mean, it's so hard because, like, we didn't really talk much about Steve's character. We didn't say much about Luke. We didn't say much about Hugh or Olivia. Like, there's still so many aspects that we didn't really touch on. Um, But again, I think that's, like, a great testament to how how much the show has going for it. Um, My uh, recommendation would be... um, if if anyone listening is like, what should I watch next? Like, oh, I'm in a TV show lull. What should I do? Uh, you you should watch Midnight Mass because it technically takes place during the time period of Lent, which we are in Ooh. right now. So if you want, so it's like technically seasonally, it's technically an Easter show. Oh, I love um, that. <laughs> So if you want like a seasonal show to watch, watch Midnight Mass. <laughs> and then if you want something for Halloween, you can watch The Haunting of Hell House at the same time that Mary Clay yeah. does. <laughs> I just need him. I need him to come out with like a, a show for every like yeah. season, you know, so I can like watch it when it's like, see- like, oh, it's Easter time. Time to watch this terrifying deconstruction that's the word i was looking for earlier like a deconstruction of yeah like, the Christian yeah <laughs> but um with vampires <laughs> i'll just Ooh, leave you with that now i'm even more interested you said vampire so 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, none of them are sparkling. Oh, sexy, God. So. Why would you do that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, um, you know, maybe this is worth revisiting in October. Maybe we could do like a part two, like revisited, like, you know. Yeah, we'll talk about. Yeah, we'll talk yeah, about. just yeah. an excuse to talk about what we didn't talk about. Um yeah, well, uh, thank you so much for coming on, Mary Clay. This has been an awesome conversation. Um, and why don't you tell the listeners where they can find you and your podcast? Sure. You can find my podcast, That's What I'm Talking About, wherever you get podcasts. There are new episodes every Tuesday. You can follow the podcast on social media at Talking About Pod. And then I am on Twitter at MCWhatsApp. And Instagram, I guess I don't really post that much. That, that's the problem with like my personal social medias. I feel I use them. I scroll them a lot, but I don't actually post yeah. a lot lately. Um, but I, I would say probably Twitter and TikTok. Um, I'm at MC WhatsApp. Those are probably where I'm usually posting more often. So. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you should definitely follow. Uh, that's what I'm talking about on uh on the social media because I feel like you do produce pretty good reels and TikToks. Yeah, I do (laughs) post really like ridiculous stuff there. Yes, that is true. And definitely make sure to go check out uh, the episode that Josh Mm. was on for where we discussed Board of the Rings. It's very nonsensical and very silly. Um, So if you're into that, Love it. it and I'll I'll make sure to link all of Mary Clay's social medias and uh, the episode from That's What I'm Talking About in the show notes. So very easy for you to just one click after you finish uh, listening to this. Um, and thank you listeners for joining us on this awesome episode of Super Scary. You can find me at Super Scary Podcast on all of the social medias. Email me at superscarypodcast at gmail.com. And uh, we'll see you next Monday. Bye. Bye. Watch out for the bent neck lady. <laughs> Hey there, Super Scary listeners. Thank you so much for listening to the Super Scary Podcast this week. This podcast is edited and hosted by me, Josh. Our executive producers are myself and my wonderful husband, Frank. You can enjoy new episodes of Super Scary every Monday, wherever you enjoy your podcasts. We would greatly appreciate you giving us a review and subscribing on your favorite platform so you get notified when the new episodes drop. If you enjoy our content, please join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Super Scary Podcast. You can also email us at superscarypodcast at gmail.com if you have movie review suggestions for the upcoming seasons. See you next Monday for the new episode. Bye-bye!